Today on the Multiply Podcast, we're talking about vision clarity, one of our 10 characteristics of a healthy church or ministry. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. So glad you guys are with us. Thanks for listening in. If you yeah, like yeah. what you hear, um, subscribe. No, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. We're not on YouTube. You can't um, subscribe. Oh, you can subscribe to on yeah, iTunes. Yeah, you're right. On iTunes, you can. You know what? And give us a five-star rating on there. You know, write something nice about David's Eats, mm-hmm. you know, or Subs- how... Sub- subscribe, share. Share. And... Show you care. Sh- mm, nice. Sub- yeah. subs- <laughs> subscribe, share, and show you care. If you're still listening, because after that... <laughs> After this point, probably most of you have turned this off. But subscribe becomes increasingly difficult to say the more you say it. In yeah, a that's true. It's one of those words. So my kids, are your kids into YouTube? Yeah, kids. Uh, yeah, what is it? YouTube Kids. Kids Tube, I think they call it. Yeah. So my kids, they don't watch. I was telling someone this other day. I was like, my kids do not watch cartoons anymore. All they want to, they just want to watch YouTube. Kids yeah. Tube. I'm. A, it's the same way. I'm concerned because they're. You know, when we wanted to watch stuff, we had to just. I mean, think about our generation. We literally had to wait one morning a week to watch cartoons. Yeah, the pay, and we're not exactly patient adults. And then our and then our parents, because we both grew up in Christian homes, incredibly, extremely filtered those yeah. you know shows. So sure. I mean, I'm actually speaking about other kids because I never watched cartoons growing up. We watched <laughs> Little House on the Prairie until I was like 17 years old. <laughs> That's only half a joke. Yeah. So, but this this my my kids grow up in a world where they have total control over what they're consuming, and and as soon as something gets even remotely boring, it's on. Click, they just click something. On. It's. But here's what's crazy. So the reason I even started that story is because my kids now, when they play, they will pretend they're YouTubers, and so I will overhear them constantly saying like. And uh, hey, make sure you subscribe. Give us a like down below. But you know what I mean. It's yeah. just like a part of their. Yeah. So I wonder how messed up they're going to be when they get older. <laughs> It's the whole celebrity world online is is yeah. foreign to me in some ways. There's a there's a celebrity in the area who plays Fortnite, Tim the Tapman, and we have mutual friends and we've run into each other a couple of times. And my girls, when they meet him, they're as starry eyed as you were when you first met me. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Your girls are they big Fortnite players? I, they're not. They never even really. They've watched a couple of videos with me. You know, I've watched. I've let them watch it with me to make sure it's all clean and whatnot. But yeah. But no, they don't play at all, but they just know his name and they know that he's got his own YouTube following or I don't think they use YouTube, Switch or whatever they use. Twitch. Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> you can see how into this I am. <laughs> anyway, if you're listening, Tim the Tap Man, shout out. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for being great, Tim. Well, I, I'm into that. I do. I probably watch more YouTube than I watch TV, to be honest with you. I'm a... Yeah, I'm, I'm. Well, you do love cat videos, little kittens uh, watching little kittens. <laughs> nothing lick milk off the paws. Nothing better than that. I'll tell you right now. Well, everybody, hey, this was quite an intro. Hope you're still with us. Um, we're really excited. We've been doing um, we've been doing a series where we're talking about ten characteristics of a healthy church or ministry, and excited to continue that today. So, Dave, why don't you give us a little introduction? Share with us um, what is the characteristic we're going to be hitting on today, and then. Define it for us. Yeah, so this morning, um, as we're recording, we're going to be talking about the characteristic of vision clarity, and uh, we define vision clarity this way. Vision clarity results from crafting, communicating, and owning a clear picture of a preferred future. I'll read that again. Vision clarity is the result of or results from crafting, communicating, and owning uh, a clear picture of a preferred future. Andy Stanley in his book Visioneering defines vision as a 
clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. So that's kind of the language that we're playing off of here, this idea that vision is this clear mental picture of, of what's before, is what could be, what, what should things look like, and, and what do we hope for our church, for our organization, for our team, what's our vision? Hmm. Okay, so if you're uh, starting out or if someone's listening right now and they're trying to assess, what do you feel like is the first, what's the starting point when it comes to vision clarity? What's step one in that process? Yeah. Well, I think in the context of the local church, the starting point is always going to be the scriptures, um, prayer, uh, just getting a sense from the Spirit as to what He wants to do in your local church, in that specific community, in that time and in that place and through the people. And so what is sort of the manifestation of the kingdom of God? What should it and could it look like where you where God has placed you? And so I think it starts there, and it certainly starts with this. It starts with a dream. You know, it's hmm. visions are not things that even are necessarily achievable in our lifetime or in anyone's lifetime. Visions are sort of that carrot on the stick that's always out in front of you, out on the horizon. Not something that you're necessarily going to check off a list, but something that's such such a so big of a dream that it's always before you, kind of calling you to itself. And so I think the f- the first step, if you're at a church, is is what is God speaking to your heart about what He wants to do in your place and through your ministry. And if you're leading another organization, what is your sense of why you exist? What do you really exist to see happen? What is the what are the possibilities that could take place through your organization? Yeah. So do you think wh- why do you think this can be a challenge for a lot of leaders? Um, why is coming up with a vision or having clarity in that vision, why is that difficult for, for leaders, do you think? Well, it requires some singularity of focus, right? And leaders can see lots of good things that could be done or lots of good possible outcomes. But having vision clarity requires us to uh, eliminate good things for the best. So maybe it's a lack of wanting to focus and even limit what an organization, a church, or a team exists for. Um, I think another issue is that leaders get so busy, caught up in the minutiae, the details of every day, that they lose sight of big picture stuff. They don't, they don't sort of step back and ask questions about where are we headed, where do we want to go. Yeah. They're just trying to manage and maintain uh, day in and day out things. So that can be part of it. Um, those are a couple of thoughts I have. Yeah. What do you think? I think that's huge. Uh, that's been my experience in... in um I think people, a lot of times, they step into a role or a position, and they're kind of operating the default mode of operation is what what has been done in the past or what I've experienced. And with any church, certainly, but I'm sure this is true of any organization, like, you get so busy just maintaining, you know? So think about it for a church. You've got a Sunday morning. Typically, churches have some sort of a Wednesday night. Maybe they have a couple other nightly activities throughout the week. Lots of ministries and programs. Lots of ministries, yeah, lots of programs. And it takes all energy and effort just to come up with a sermon for Sunday, manage all the teams and the people, figure out what you're going to talk about on Wednesday night, because a lot of leaders are doing both. Council people. Council. Run the building, Run the finances, right. All that. All that kind of stuff, right? I mean, it can easily take up probably 50, 60 hours of your week. Mm -hmm. And so I think what often happens is all of a sudden, months and years go by, and we've never done the necessary step of um, stepping away from mm-hmm. that busyness, that table, stepping back, kind of taking a 30,000-foot view and going like, wait a second, we got to breathe here so we can just make sure and understand the big picture. 
I think it's Mark DeVries who talks about the necessity of balcony time for leaders. And he uses yeah. that metaphor to say, like, to get above it all. And, and some leaders just need to block a couple hours in their calendar every week where they just say, this is my balcony time, where I just kind of get away from the, the, the little tasks that can kind of bog me down. And I just spend time praying, thinking, dreaming, reading, being inspired by other visionary leaders, and just keep asking questions about, basically, because vision answers the question, where are we headed, right? Yeah. And so keep asking that question, where are we headed, and what is it going to look like when we get there? Um, I think there's two other, two other things came to mind while you were talking that I think uh, hurt us when it comes to vision clarity or prevent us from having vision clarity. Number one is Max Dupree said that the first um, responsibility of a leader is to define reality, right? So vision is, there, is the word there, where are we headed, there. But reality is, where are we now? Here, right? So uh, having a vision starts with defining the realities of here while dreaming of the possibilities of there. And a lot of leaders don't honestly assess the here, right? Mm. Where are we right now? What's true about us and what are the realities and what are the sort of ugly... Is that because it's hard, do you think? I think it's hard. I think we tend to not see things clearly because we don't always have fresh eyes on what we're leading. So sometimes we can't give that to ourselves. Right. We need outside voices and we need a team to get that. Sometimes we um, tend to overly support our own decisions and preferences. I mean, I don't think sometimes all the time right. we do that. We so kind of assume everybody spots. else thinks and operates the way we do. Yeah. yeah. And we also are really great at making excuses for why things are the way they are. Oh, yeah, well, we're in the Northeast, and people just don't really like Jesus up here. You right. know? Or I'm in this community, and people are super busy. Those things, they're true, but you have to still be willing to push beyond those things to say, okay, so well, what are we really doing about it, and what's our reality? So I think that's one obstacle. In order to get there, you have to have a sense of what here is. But another one, and this is a big one I've seen in lots of not just churches but organizations, um, it's hard to have vision clarity if you're not clear on what vision is and how it's different from mission, right? Yeah. So most churches and organizations and companies have vision statements and mission statements. And I constantly read um, vision statements that actually are mission statements. And I know there's some room for disagreement here and people don't all see it the same way. But the simplest way I can say this is that vision statements are not actions, They're not what you are doing. That's your mission statement. Your mission statement is here's what we exist to do to move us towards our vision. Right. The vision statement shouldn't sound like a – it really shouldn't start with a verb. It shouldn't have this sort of action feel to it. It should simply be a picture. You're painting a picture, right? Yeah. So with with a good vision statement, you're not just communicating information, but you're capturing people's imagination. You're causing them to wonder and think and even dream about what you just said. So share with us – um, the church you lead, Trinity, you've got a vision and mission. Share with us that so we can kind of see the difference between yeah. the two. Okay, so our vision is uh, to see gospel transformation in every area of our lives and in every life in our area. So that's the vision, simply gospel transformation, radical life change, spiritual change, social change, all around the gospel, gospel transformation in every area of our lives, starting with us, and then in every life in our area. And we define area as anywhere that God gives us influence and reach. So what would that look like where we are in the town of Clay for, for us to see gospel transformation in every life in our area? Seems unrealistic to me. <laughs> exactly. It really <laughs> is, but it keeps us moving forward. Yeah. It's the dream. It's yep. like, man, we, we're not, we're not going to be satisfied. We're not going to settle until you know, we see this. This is right. what we... So that's our vision. So how do we get there? Kind of the goal to make people say, can you imagine right. if... You know, yeah. if people say that when they hear your vision, that's probably a good... Yeah. What would Clay, the town of Clay, look like 
if this happened, mm -hmm. if there was gospel transformation in every area of our lives and in every life in our area. And then our mission statement, which we really just believe is some version of this is the mission statement for all of the people of God, is to make disciples, right? We expand a little bit. We say to make disciples for the glory of our God and for the good of our community. And so why are we making disciples for the glory of our God and the good of our community? So that we can see gospel transformation in every area of our lives and in every life in our area. So your mission feeds into your vision statement. You should be able to almost, you almost should be able to read them that way, mm -hmm. right? So you read your mission statement and then why? Because this, the vision statement. Right. And so if someone hears, a, if someone hears the vision statement, the mission then tells them, how does that, well, how does that happen? How, how do you accomplish that vision? Well, here's how. Yeah. Make disciples. 30,000 feet in the air, right? That's right. how, mission. But then how do we actually do it? That's when we start to get into things like values yeah. and strategic plans, right. right? So those are the differences between vision, mission, and those are really important to have. Um, and I, and, and they're, they're, I think they're in a very important relationship to be connected to each other because I actually think the opposite is also true where people can have a vision statement, but they never create a mission statement. So the vision, become, vision is so ambiguous and out mm -hmm. there that there's no way to even measure it. There's no way to create a strategy about getting to it. It's just kind of this like dream that is floating off in the distance. And if anyone asks, it's like, oh, that's our, that's our vision. Yep. But it's like, okay, well... So if you don't have a mission and you just have a vision, it's going to be hard for you to ever know, are you actually working towards accomplishing and seeing that vision come to fruition? Yeah, absolutely. A vision without a plan is just like wishing. Yeah. You know? And then a plan without a vision is just kind of aimless. Right. You don't really know how to, you don't know where you're headed. Yogi yeah. Berra famously said one time, if you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up someplace else. And it's the same idea here. If you don't have this vision, you're, who knows where you're going to go? But if you have a vision and no plan, that looks good on paper. But like, what are you actually doing to accomplish that? And, and how are you communicating those things? So to, let's, let's pull back to vision for a second, and then let's talk about the plan towards the end. Um, you've been in different churches and different organizations. You serve right now with the New York Ministry Network. There's a new vision statement here, which is, sounds actually similar to the church's vision statement, gospel transformation. It starts the same way, but it finishes differently. Gospel transformation in every community in New York, which again is gripping and it captures my imagination. Mm. Um, what have you seen work and not work when it comes to communicating, crafting and communicating vision statements? So what are some mistakes people make when they try to put together vision statements? And then what are some mistakes people make when they uh, go about communicating and owning them? Yeah, I think a couple of the big mistakes are the simplest ones you would think of, which is they're too complicated, mm -hmm. they're too long, they're not memorable. So um, in the conversations I have with different leaders, um, if, if they can't, and you can tell this immediately, if they can't clearly tell it to me and they don't know it, it's a bad, it's bad, you know? Yeah. They're like, well, uh, like if you got to take four sentences to tell me what your vision is, it's a it's a wrong vision, or you've not crafted it well enough, you know. So creating these statements that are too long, they're confusing. You don't really know them, and this is, I know, I know this is something you're good at. You're kind of a wordsmith. You're an author. For some people, this is more of a challenge, and they need to get people around them that are better at that, right? Yeah. Because some people are more talkers or explainers, so they don't mind spending four or five sentences explaining a simple vision statement. But the problem is nobody will remember that. That doesn't move anybody. Sure. It doesn't make anybody dream about the dream you want them to dream. You know? And if your team doesn't know it, like if your leaders can't say it, 
then doesn't matter if you can. Right. And, and also, um, it's I think it, in an ideal world, your team is a part of crafting it. You know, they're at least a part of yeah. the conversation, right? People tend to support what they helped create. That's right. And so the idea that the leader goes up the mountain and gets the vision and comes down alone, um, I don't think in this day and age it carries the same sort of. Um, I don't think it. I don't think it works as well. No. And so you know, how do you? How do you? When you're crafting a vision for your team for your church. How do you get the input from people? Ultimately, I think the leader does have to make some key decisions that only the leader can make because you're going to have, you know, the whole too many cooks in the kitchen sort of deal. Not everybody's going to agree, but you want some input along the way so that, so it's not just you kind of figuring it out on your own. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So once you have that, I think one of the other mistakes um, that I think about and be interested to hear your thoughts on this is um, people have it and they spend a lot of time crafting it and creating it. And then they never share it again. <laughs> yeah. They never talk about it. They never, maybe they throw it up on some, you know, eight by eight and a half by 11 paper on the side of all the church, but they never talk about it on Sunday mornings. They never yeah. communicate it. Yeah. Um, it's been said, and I think it's true that when you are starting to get sick of hearing yourself say the vision, that's when people are just starting to hear it. You've got to relentlessly own and champion and speak the vision every opportunity you get. When you can connect vision to your announcements, you should be doing it. When you can connect a vision to your sermon, you should be doing it. Using your vision statement. We we have our vision statement in our pre and post service slide loop, you know, just popping up so that it's kind of in front of people. Uh, you gotta make it visible. Yeah. You gotta put it on everything that gets handed out. You gotta put it on the walls in your church vision and mission. I mean, some people would think actually that the mission statement is more important as far as it being known by the people, and that's probably in some ways true. Yep. But the the vision statement has to be before people. And so it's important for us to get up regularly and say, hey, at Trinity Assembly, our vision is gospel transformation in every area of our lives, in every life in our area. And here's what it means for us, right, to explain it for people. And we can't just do it once a year. We have to do it regularly, maybe not every single week, but, but we have to be intentional about finding ways to talk about that, our vision yeah. and our mission. So here was my ultimate test is when I hear the leaders around me that I work with and the people on my team starting to use the language, like when I overhear them and they're using it in a way that they own it, not me pop quizzing them, all yeah. right, what's the vision and mission? Yeah, but, yeah. but I hear them counseling people or I, I hear them having conversations and they're using it as if it's their own then I know we've got it. Yeah. Actually, this on Wednesday nights, we have grow classes, and I got a text this past Wednesday night from someone who was in one of the grow classes who's new to the church, and uh, he's actually been in leadership in, in the past in other positions, so he has not kind of a unique perspective on our church as he's getting used to it. Um, but one of the things he said to me about the person who was teaching the grow class was, he goes, it's so obvious this guy knows and owns your vision and mission. Like, he was talking about it, he that's was great. using it. And for me, I was like, that's an awesome yep. indicator that we're making some progress. Yeah. But you can't stop, right? Because you always got new people yeah. coming in, you always mm-hmm. got turnover. And people forget. And people forget. And yep. there's competing visions too, aren't there? Like, that's one of the challenges of having clear vision is that you're always going to have people that uh, want to either... A change your vision or adapt your vision or add to your vision. And one of the real gifts of vision clarity is, and I think you touched on it earlier, it helps you say no to certain things, right? Yeah. So as a church, because we exist, uh, because we're headed towards this, then there's other opportunities to go in other directions that are not bad. In, fa- in fact, for some churches, they might be the right thing. But for us, we have this laser-like focus on this is where we're headed. Yeah. 
I think I feel like that's actually in my mind like almost phase two. Once you crafted the vision and once you start the process of communicating it and that becomes a regular part, like that second phase is, you know, at the start everything's kind of fun and exciting and like, oh, this is a new thing. The harder part is are you gonna dog it day in and day out, week in, week out? Are you gonna fight for it? Are you gonna are you gonna make sure and own it? And this is where I think some leaders fall short is they craft something that they know is right. But in their hearts, they serve another vision. So they say, okay, um, here's what, here's our vision. And it all sounds nice. Our, maybe they get the whole staff on board. But then the decisions they make are not decisions that are fighting for that vision. They're fighting for a separate untold vision. But even though everybody knows it, like they know what your vision sure. is, <laughs> you won't actually say it. But all your decisions are fighting for that. Have you seen that? I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, I have seen that. Um... You know, uh, it's hard to be charitable and give specific examples, uh, but sure. I have I have seen that where there's a vision statement that's on paper, but when you hear the pastor or the leader on stage, it's a different vision that's always being communicated over and over. And essentially, whatever you say most frequently and most consistently on stage, that kind of becomes your vision, whether you want it to be or not, right? So if our vision is gospel transformation in every area of our lives and every life in our area, but every time I get up there, I say, we're going to be a hospital for sick people, spiritually sick people, which is a, which is a very good thing to be. And for some churches, that might be their vision, but it's not, it's not specific to our vision. Then right. eventually that becomes our identity. Now, gospel transformation is for sick people who are sick spiritually. It's all part of that. But we have a slightly different take, and our language does lead us in a different direction than thinking like a hospital. We don't think like a hospital. We think more like a people who exist to be changed and to see change, right? So that's slightly different in that we're not sitting back and asking sick people to come to us. We want to see change everywhere that God gives us influence and reach. So that would just be one practical example of how whatever you say and talk about and celebrate and just are most passionate about on stage, doesn't matter what you have on the walls, on a piece of paper, on a slide. People are, are intuitive enough to realize this is what he really or she really cares about. Right. Yeah, I, I think of another example, like you could have a leader saying, no, no, like we're so bought into this vision vision and mission that if people have competing vision and missions in our church, we're not going to, we're not going to entertain it, right? And then all of a sudden there there's some controversy that ends up happening and maybe someone who has a well-known in the church comes and says, well, I want to do this. And everyone on the team knows that doesn't fit into the mission and vision. And all of a sudden the senior pastor says, you know what, we're, let's, we're going to do it. We're going to let them do it. What you've actually just communicated to everybody is your ultimate vision is actually creating some sort of peace and allowing every like that's your ultimate vision, hmm. and you've sacrificed the stated vision for what you're really. So it deflates everything. You, yeah. You're not going to get any momentum with people when you operate that way, and that's a hard thing to see your blind spots in. Sure, you got to really like constantly have people around you, constantly have those checks in your own heart to know like, am I really fighting for this or am I fighting for something different? Yeah, that's good. Um, so we have, we've talked a little bit about vision, or we've talked a lot about vision. We've talked a little bit about mission, and mission being sort of answering the question, what do we exist to do? What are we doing to move towards our vision? But there's a whole other piece of it, and, and we should just touch on it before we finish our podcast, and it's the idea of having a strategic plan. And again, as you said earlier, vision clarity without a strategic plan is just kind of dreaming. It's just kind of wishing. It's just kind of hoping. I know you're a strategic thinker. You love sitting in rooms talking about strategic plans. You're actually wired that way a little more than I am. I'm probably more of a vision guy. You're probably more of a strategic guy, although we can 
uh, we have some ability to, to switch back and forth. But talk to us a little bit just briefly about the significance of a strategic plan. And even in your experience, what are some first steps for people to take in that direction? Yeah. Oh, it's so important. It's so important because this is the only way that you can um, measure whether you're getting there. Yeah. It's the only way that you can create clarity and um, for people, you know. So I think this is one of the only ways that you can you can create buy-in and and create culture is everybody knows here's where we're going and here's how we get there. You know, so it's kind of like you're defining the terms, you're defining the process for people. Otherwise, if you don't have it, it feels like a free-for-all and everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. And that's difficult for people that are part of that. And so um, for me, the first thing I would say is not everybody is gifted in this area. So not all leaders are great strategic thinkers, which Mm -hmm. is fine, but you got to make sure and have strategic thinkers around you and around that process if you're going to think through it. Because a couple of things for me when I think about a strategic process is one, you got to be able to see the goal. You got to be able to see what's going to stand in the way of us getting that goal. You got to be able to understand culture. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to create a good strategic plan in your church, you got to understand the culture of your church. What are the obstacles? What are the things that are going to get in the way? And then I think you have to have a plan that is simple, it's an easy on ramp. People know the next steps. They know it's not so complicated in this spider web maze of different things where kind of nobody knows where they're at. It's got to be something simple, memorable. People know the process. They know what they can be a part of. And ultimately, they know what the end result is. Like, here's what we're trying to get to, you know? So I think those are a couple of the things. Obviously, every church is different. Every area is different. So there's no, like, template that sure. works in every area, yeah. but I think those are some of the things that are important to keep in mind. And we should say that there's great resources out there on all of these topics, right, from from crafting vision statements. Visioneering by Andy Stanley would be an obvious one. Um, um, I'm trying to think of the guy who wrote... Um, um, Oh, I'm blinking right now. We could post it maybe in our show notes. Do we have show notes? Lencioni? No, we don't. Yeah, Lencioni is a good voice on it. Will Mancini, that's what I think Will, of. Yeah, or Mancini, Mancini, he's a good voice on it. When it comes to strategic planning, I mean, I took a strategic planning class in my uh, my graduate studies, and those are pretty boring books, but super useful. You know what I mean? Like really, really important, but not very exciting. Um, and one of the things when I think of strategic planning is who owns what, and what's the timeline and what's the accountability structure and that sort of place, how things are going to get done. Um, and strategic plans have to get revisited, right? Like most yeah. most companies will not create much more than a one to two to three year strategic plan because the whole everything's changing around us. And so right. how do we accomplish things and how do we move forward? And one thing I would say with a strategic plan, because most churches should share a similar mission, which is making disciples. So if you're a church and you're creating... It, and you don't have a strategic plan to how do you how do you make a disciple? Yeah. What does a disciple look like, and then how do you get there? It's not going to just happen. People's default position is not to selflessly make disciples of other people, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I think they have good intentions, but we've got to create a process of which they can be a part of. And so um, once you have your vision, somewhere in your mission, hopefully, is making disciples, and you've got to create a strategic plan. What does it look like to make disciples? And if the only way that that looks for you is to attend a service, I think you probably should spend a little more time uh, investigating that. Yeah. And actually, that's one of our 10 characteristics is discipleship strategy. So we're going to have a whole podcast devoted to that. Yep. Looks going to be great. All right. Hey, we're going to close out. Before we do, we're going to look at a little portion we like to call David's Eats. 
Boom. And today I've got a little special question for Dave. Oh, I was ready to tell you my favorite thing I've eaten recently. Well, we'll but... save that for okay. another another episode. Today I want to know, what is your perfect pasta dish? Perfect pasta dish. Okay. Well, obviously homemade, right? Fresh pasta. Not not, not Homemade by who? By somebody What who... sort of celebrity chef is making this? <laughs> or is this like some sort of street vendor and in... just anybody who knows what they're doing. An Italian grandmother probably would be the best. Okay. I like um um I mean I like I like fresh homemade fettuccine. I like thick pastas like pa- uh, pappardelle. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to say any of these correctly. I like cavatelli, which is like a little, almost like a small little dumpling, but it's it's not that doesn't have the denseness of a dumpling. Yep. Um, as, so anything that's fresh, homemade, uh, and al dente, you know, got a little chew to it, not overcooked, okay, and nicely okay. salted and seasoned. Um, and then as far as sauce goes, um, I, I I like a lot of different sauces. I'm not super. Uh, Picky here. I, I do like spicy red sauces, like an arriabada sauce. I do like that. I like a puttanesca sauce because I like the Mediterranean flavors with like the olives in it and stuff. Okay. But okay. I also like like basil pesto and fettuccine and vodka riggies. And so, I mean. Wow. So you basically just said you like all pastas. <laughs> the question it, was pick your favorite. And okay. you literally said I like everything. Okay. So if I'm going to have to pick my favorite, then it would be <clears throat> fresh uh Papadelli with um, an arriabada sauce with some shaved Parmesan on top and uh, a couple amazing meatballs. Okay. Well, pork made out of pork and beef and um, God's goodness. Well, unfortunately, you're getting Chef Boyardee. So. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. This has been the Multiply Podcast. We'll see you next time.